Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. Trifecta is the perfect tool for diet and maintenance adherence. It reduces time, thought, and effort in making sure I am never without the food I need to succeed. Go to www.trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton, where you will get 40% off your first order. One of my favorite guests is back, the meme doctor himself. Today on American Glutton, I'm talking to Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. He has a new program called Lift RX, which is all about getting people moving and healthy. You can find Dr. Nadolsky on Instagram at Dr. Nadolsky. Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, welcome back to the American Glutton podcast. An honor to be back, as always. Dude, uh, we haven't talked in a while, and I'm really excited to talk to you. I've had, I've had so many um, weird ups and downs in my own life with my body and my, and, my, um, and my goals and everything like that. And I wanted to ask you and get your, like, almost like a second opinion. I got to talk to this doctor, get a second opinion about some stuff. And then you have a whole bunch of shit going on that I want to talk to you about, too. Yeah, we might as well just catch up on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's the best way to do it. Um, I so I think the last time I actually talked to you on the phone, I was asking you, I was I was doing a, a, a mass. I was like, I want to put on muscle. I'm going to do a massing thing. And I got to be honest with you, it fucked me up. Like, yeah. I don't. 
and I and I don't think I'll be doing another one, basically, if I'm going to be perfectly frank with you. And here's why I've worked so hard to get my weight down that putting weight back on intentionally felt really like a sabotage to myself. And, and the whole time I'm rationalizing it by going like, no, I'm putting on muscle. And then I got up there. There were so many layers to my thinking where I go like, I'm not a bodybuilder. Right. I'm, I'm just a guy. And like the amount of muscle that I have is way above average as it is. You have a lot of muscle. I do. Well, and, and the idea of like putting on another pound of muscle, an extra pound of muscle. I'm like, what does that do for me? Number one, I'm not ever going to fill up my loose skin with muscle. I'd have to, I'd, you know, this was the other weird calculation. I sat down and went like, okay, in order to really fill up my loose skin with muscle, how much muscle would I have to gain? And thinking to like, let's say my skin is taut now at 400 pounds, right? That's fat though. In order to get muscle that size, it would have to be exponentially heavier because muscle weighs denser is denser than fat. So like it, it became this whole thing of like, okay, if I'm 500 pounds, but 5% body, like it, it was this psychotic uh, computation I was doing in my head. And, and at the end of the day, and I was like, and I'm overeating in an attempt to accomplish this faster. And the whole thing just fell apart. And I went like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. From a, I, I, I mean, yes. Yes. I mean, multiple reasons. And cardiometabolically, I'd be like, no, don't do that. Uh, mechanically, you're already a big dude with a lot of muscle and you're, and you're lean, but you're you still, you know, have a lot of weight that's hard on your joints. So you start putting on intentionally more muscle. And how old are you now? 46. 46. So you're still, I mean, you're still pretty young. Um, but, you know, you start hitting that 50 range. You, like, look, you could do it, but you're, you've already got a, a substantial amount of lean body mass on you to where it's like, well, how much do you want? I'm like, what? Like, yeah, like you said, if, if your goal is to fill out your, um, the loose skin, I mean, that is it's a lot of. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, I, I mean, technically, like, that's why I, I feel the same way. I'm like, God, I wish I could put on a little bit more. Uh, you know, in college, I was like 240, but I was a little bit, you know, fluffier. I'd, I'd call myself. It's like, I feel, I like feeling a little bit more filled out, but then I'm like, the amount of effort I have to do, like last year, I was trying to put on uh, some weight and it was a lot of effort in the gym volume, number one, which is takes up time. And I got other stuff I'm trying to do. And then the amount of food I have to eat. And then I do, I monitor my lipids and everything very closely to them. It's like, every time I try, I can just see certain things start to change despite eating, you know, fairly... <laughs> a healthful dietary pattern. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, um, and I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm you're fucking lean, pretty, Jack, dude. You pretty, are Jack. Yeah, I mean, like I feel it's like, and my wife's always like, what are you trying to do? Although I, I think she secretly likes me a little bit, a little bit thicker, but I, that's what I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I just got, it just got to the point where I was like, I believe, and, and, and I would love to ask you about this in maintenance i'm i can build muscle it's yeah. just a hell of a lot slower than if i'm yeah. in some big surplus so like if i'm already looking at something that's so small like 
two pounds a year, four pounds a year, whatever it is of muscle mass increase. I, I just was like, I, I, I'm not, I'm not playing this game because I've done so much damage to my body for so long with being as heavy as I was. And, and then I, you top that off with all the drugs I did. And, and I go like, it's not worth it. Like if I'm looking at longevity and health, I actually would rather work at over the long term getting leaner, um, overall increasing muscle mass very, very fractionally. And, you know, that that's my new thing. So, <laughs> you know, I was yeah, I mean, thinking about you maintained your current muscle mass and just maintain. I mean, how it seems like you'd probably, if I had to guess, be pretty happy with that for the rest of like, if you were like, I feel good right now. If I could maintain this, I, that, I, I think that would be a win from, you know, my viewpoint, but I don't know what you think. hundred percent on a DEXA scan. I have 226 pounds of lean tissue. It's a lot. That's and, more than I weigh. So you got more mass than I even weigh. Yeah. There you go. More and so mass. I keep checking that. And as long as that number doesn't go down and the other number goes down, I'm like, this is, I'm good. I'm just doing Great. it real slow. Yeah. That's awesome. I like it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about some exercise stuff here. Where yeah. We- lift RX. I want to hear about that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Please tell me about that. Well, okay. So you just had Greg, uh, coach Greg on your, uh, on your you podcast. guys have a fun. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's almost like a WW. It's not even, it's not even real. I mean, I, although I don't know, maybe it is real to him. I don't think so though, but um, you know, we had this discussion because last um, May I posted this thing like, Here's what people think is uh, good for fat loss. Exercise good for first of all, diet by far is much more important than exercise for fat loss in general. It's not even it's not even close. But you know, then people are like, "How do I augment my efforts?" And I, you know, my position is ideally we would do a combination of both aerobic and resistance training. And that's not really controversial, but then what if you have to, what if, what if you only have time to do one? Well, first of all, I would say do whatever you choose, like whatever you prefer. Like if you hate lifting weights so much, go ahead and just stay active by doing whatever that is, whether it's swimming, biking, running, rowing, whatever. I I don't, you know, uh, vigorous intercourse, whatever, (laughs) whatever, whatever fans, whatever is your fancy, but and then what if you like both of them what, and you only can choose one if you have a gun to your head for some reason, it's kind of a weird hypothetical situation, but then I would propose doing resistance training. And the reason is, is because the, the lean mass retention, the lean muscle retention, as you use diet, don't think about exercise as burning calories to lose fat. Think of the diet doing that. Exercise, I think, is important more for cardiometabolic health, cardiorespiratory fitness, for the aerobic training, not the not the calorie burning. But then the resistance training is so important for retaining this lean mass, specifically bone and muscle, uh, that uh, you'll you you're going to shape the body. And again, I'm speaking to the maestro here of of uh, large amounts of weight loss using both methods. Yeah, I've done um, it both ways. In our first podcast, you told the story about how you're you're doing like a lot of biking and you felt like you're too thin. And then you did it this way and you started 
resistance training. Like, I just like the way I feel. Well, I, I want to just paint this picture to, to, to yeah. kind of back up what you're saying. When I did pure cardio as my exercise and I did a lot of cardio, my entire overall weight. And I had, uh, I had a line, a, a line down the center of my sternum. So, you, but no, I don't know, you know, when the, when the line is vertical, but there's no horizontal abdominal reveal, right? So it's not quite abs. So whatever my, I didn't get a DEXA scan then, but I, I, I was probably 15% body fat. That'd at have that been point. Interesting. Yeah, it would have, but my overall weight was less than my lean tissue is today. That's amazing. Which is crazy. That is amazing. So, you know, the thing is, some people don't necessarily care. They obsess over the scale. They want their scale weight to down, be down. But I think most people, like, you know, when I ask patients, like, I want to hit 150 pounds and they're like 250 or whatever. And I'm like, why? Why that number? And they can't usually explain other than maybe that's what they were in college or high school or whatever it is. They just, they're like, I think I felt best there. And I'm like, okay. But most people just want to look better and feel better, of course. So my, my opinion is that resistance training, if, if you're going to do, if you can only pick one, which is a stupid hypothetical world, because we can all probably do some sort of combination if we could, obviously do what you prefer, number one. Number two, do a, do a combination, then do what you prefer. But if, if you had to only choose one, I, I personally would choose uh, resistance training. And the reason is, is because there may be some mechanisms as we start losing weight and we start losing lean tissue, both bone and muscle that our bodies, we talk about, I think we talked about like these, the whole set point and everything in, in the past, basically these biological drivers that try to make us regain the weight uh, we had lost once, once we have uh, an excessive amount of weight. So our bodies fight us to try to regain the weight. Well, there may be a mechanism in there that's trying to regain some of that lean muscle tissue. So you'll, you'll extend beyond that and start gaining more and more fat until you reach that, that, uh, that lean muscle mass that you lost. That's your body fighting you. That's one of the mechanisms. There's all sorts of mechanisms involved with uh, weight regain, but that's one of them. So if you can retain more of that muscle mass and bone uh, tissue, which is also important because we don't want people breaking hips and and having uh, fractures in their spine as, as we age, you know, osteoporosis, um, which is, is a very, is another whole big thing. But if we can retain that, we may lessen that drive after we've lost the weight. And not to mention, you know, people talk about having that bigger engine. They're like, oh, your metabolism is going to stay up. It's like, no, your metabolism goes down no matter what, as you lose weight, both fat and muscle are, are metabolically active. It's kind of a myth that like, you, your, your metabolism won't go down if you lift weights and hold on to your muscle. It's like, no, as you lose fat, your metabolism, if you, even if you just lost only fat, your metabolism goes down. I'm not talking about that, but if you're able to keep your muscle mass as you lose just fat, the, the calories you burn then using that muscle mass later does make a difference, probably makes a difference. And we don't have long-term uh, randomized control trials showing adherence and all this to, to prove what I'm saying right now. But you will burn more if you hold on to more muscle mass doing the exercise you like to do. And then you, there's likely this partitioning effect. So 
as when you once you you can't lose weight forever you have to go into maintenance that's kind of you've had multiple podcasts on this but I, I think it's a point that can be made a million times i think it's for me and i i cannot come up with a you know you say a type of a diet and I go, great, that might work for somebody. It might not work for somebody else. And it might be bad for somebody like you could say carnivore. People should do carnivore. And I go like, well, it's going to be bad for the people who have this new tick allergy to meat that's developing in the Pacific <laughs> yeah, Northeast. Yeah. Right. Like they, I'd be they, pissed if I got that, by the way, so would I. It's not a good idea. For, it, it, it would be a disaster for me. But I'm just saying like that diet doesn't work for everybody. Maintenance is not gaining weight. Yeah. So if that's at all got anything to do, and it can be any type of food, anything. So I see no downside to maintenance. I see no downside on preaching maintenance to everybody. Yeah. That was our last podcast. I'm pretty sure we went into whole, all of maintenance. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. It's been a year probably, but so you can't lose weight forever. There's a, there's a point where you got to stop and then you can eat more. So the idea is if you have more muscle mass, you have more of, uh, of a, a depot for glucose. You have more places to store glycogen. That means you can eat technically more, use more, and not store it as fat. That's my hypothesis anyway, and that's what other people think is the same thing. So honestly, you know, if I could tell people to do both aerobic and resistance training as they're trying to lose weight, that's great. But like... When it comes to like, you can look at percentages of how much is associated with certain uh, amounts of weight loss. So a very intensive lifestyle program is associated. You can get like with really good behavioral therapy, somewhere between that five to 10% uh, weight loss, total body weight loss. So for example, if you're 300 pounds, that means somewhere between 15 to 30 pounds over the course of a year average. Now you of course had, how much was your total amount of weight loss now? Close to 300 pounds. I mean, that's just, that's just like. And, and by the way, that's from uh, my heaviest to now. Yeah. There's also been my heaviest to less than now back up to f over 400 pounds down to 350. So I, I, I have no idea, but from my heaviest to now it's around 300 pounds. I mean, that's it. I mean, your, your amount of weight loss without having bariatric surgery and all these things is like 99.9999 percentile. So you're, you're an extreme uh, success case. The average, when you look at population level doing randomized trials, some are around five to 10% over the course of a year. Some people will do a lot better. Some people will do a lot worse, but the, the, they hit around this five to 10%. So if you're 300 pounds, losing 30 pounds and keeping it off over the course of a year is actually, a, that's a pretty good, big success. So when it comes to diet, the diet part of it, that's somewhere around four to 6%. The exercise component is generally around one, maybe 2% extra. So that's why I like to you know, just focus on the diet. And if you can do any type of exercise, that's great. Resistance training won't burn a ton of calories by itself. So it won't be associated with much more weight loss, but over the long term, it will retain your lean uh, tissues, which then may make the maintenance part easier, which is the most important part. I mean, they're both important, but the most long-term important uh, maintenance part. So again, I, you know, people are like, I can't believe you disagree with coach Greg. It's like, no, no, I, cardio is amazing. It's very good for you. And it, it is associated with technically more weight loss when you look at these short-term trials, but long-term diet's going to be the thing that does it. 
and then we have to somehow find a way to maintain it. Ideally, you would do both the cardio, uh, aerobic, and resistance training. But I think if I had to guess, I would say that resistance training is probably more important. But you know, I could be I could be wrong there. But because uh, some aerobic training is, you know, if you do some biking, you can get uh, activation of your quads and hamstrings and there is some lean uh, uh, mass retention there and running, pounding on your on your uh, bones can help retain that. Swimming, probably not as much because you're in water. Um, there may, may be some uh, bone loss there, but so that, that's, that's kind of my argument. So um, yeah, so that brings us into why I created this Lift RX. Yeah. I, I want to say too, just to be out front with you and, but my, my purpose is n- not, weight loss at all now but i have increased my cardio Good. And, and in increasing my cardio just this year i found that i was doing it all right before i was lifting weights and then my lifting would suffer yeah. and so i've now separated them they're two separate yeah. workouts basically um but that's really just because i got on a rowing machine and i've done a full marathon on a rowing machine in 3 hours and i you know 10 minutes kicked my ass and i was like holy smokes i got to i got to get a little bit of this back you got to right? bump your numbers up those are rookie numbers exactly. <laughs> exactly you know that you know that line <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm i'm trying that but it has nothing to do like the the outcome for me is not the, the goal is nothing to do with weight loss. It's literally just like, I want to hire cardio capacity. So, so lift yeah. RX. Yeah. So lift RX, the idea is that first of all, we know that long progressive overload, boring workouts are probably the best. We also know that people love things like they love CrossFit P90X, where it just kind of changes and it's all this kind of mishmash of different types of exercises all the time and not necessarily the best for progressive overload. I'm pretty sure you've had people on talking about progressive overload. Basically, the idea is that you're, you're, you're just getting stronger, uh, doing, able to do more volume over time with certain different exercises. And, and with those P90X type workouts, my argument um for why progressive overload wouldn't really work is it's just too hard to track exactly what you're doing when the workout changes so much. Yep. So you're doing all sorts of different exercises. You're doing them and same with CrossFit, but not all CrossFit boxes. I'll just say this, the, the, this hopper, their idea of the hopper where you just pick different exercises out and you just do them and you, you switch up how you do them all the time. The ideal situation is that you pick a few exercises, uh, and try to do them for a course of whatever, you know, six to 12 weeks at a time. And then you slightly switch it up and you just keep trying to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Well, the problem is with the boring stuff, the normal people like my patients that come in that I'm like, all right, I want you to resist and strain. If I gave them a boring 12 week program after about a month, they're like, okay, I want to do something different. I'm like, yeah, but this is the best. This is the most optimal. Like, I don't care. Then I quit. I'm like, oh, <laughs> if I gave them P90X, you know, the, the problem is they may not progress as well or, 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 or certain types of crossover. They may not progress as well. Some of them really like it, though. They get really into it. But for the majority of people, I found that it, 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 it varied too much to where they, they didn't like that either. So the idea with LiftRx is like, okay, can I make a beginner type of program beginner to intermediate by the way because i i kind of lift similarly it's i i go i switch my exercises now every four to six weeks but the idea was they have the same movement patterns 
um, each month. So we're always doing the same type of things, pressing, a, a horizontal pressing, horizontal pulling, uh, vertical pressing, vertical pulling, uh, posterior chain, like ham, hamstring type of like deadlift and then some squat pattern. Um, and the idea was to make it accessible for those who are just starting out lifting weights or those who are kind of intermediates who like want a good program to follow. And we just, we, we do change it monthly. And so we, we launched this thing uh, a couple months ago and I've launched different programs in the past and with various successes and failures. And each time I've done it, for some reason, I've gotten mostly like fitness fanatics. And it's like, no, I wasn't really trying to go for you. I didn't want the person that's, that's already been doing this for 10 years and wants this optimal program. I wanted somebody who's just kind of new to this. And we got five, 500 people in there that fit that avatar who are just either never did it or they kind of were interested in resistance training. And now they're like, man, I feel like comfortable doing it. It comes in the form of an app. We show all the technique. And each month we, we, we say the same thing. In fact, we, we, I, I tell them all the marketing because I've gotten into marketing too. I'm like, look, here, I will explain what optimal is. And I explain that, you know, eight to 12 weeks and you're kind of, you're, you're pretty much doing the same type of exercises. It's just kind of boring. And they're like, they all say like, yeah, I would have quit that already. Yeah. And so they actually really like, and now they're doing extremely well in the group. I do this Facebook live in the group. And then each month we send out the new exercises and they're all somewhat similar, but they change it and keep it, um, the variety is the spice of life. And so they, they enjoy having slight variety while getting stronger throughout the month. Uh, and we still, and for coach Greg, if he's listening, he's not going to listen to this, but <laughs> we do, we do advise aerobic training. And like you said, on, on, if they can on opposite days of, of their resistance training. Yeah. Dude, that's so amazing because like, I know for sure when I, started working out which which was like 2004 by the way that was my first time in a gym nice and um if it had been uh every monday we're doing you know bench press uh incline monday is press. international chest day yeah so but if it was the exact same thing like i just think that this is a great idea because I, I know that there would have been no way I could have worked out the way I do now. And I actually have had some guilt pushing this kind of push pull leg split to people who are like, I, I don't know that I'm talking. To, I don't think this conversation is for professional bodybuilders. Right. I just don't. I think this conversation is for people who are probably confronting massive weight loss or have had a number of failures on diets and are, are going to go like, what's your idea? Is your idea useful to me? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's who I want to be talking to, you know, and if there's a couple of professional bodybuilders, good. Hello. Welcome. Um, welcome. To you guys, yeah. You guys are all fucking yo-yo dieters too. You just do it slower. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, but, but so that, you know, CrossFit caught me because there is something about, I don't know what I'm doing today. Yeah. You mm -hmm. tell me now, I think CrossFit is risky for some people too. I've gotten, I got injured doing CrossFit, but it's exciting because you don't know. And so you yeah. walk in and you're just like, kick my butt. And everybody's so hooting and hollering for, yeah, no, it's a great community aspect. 
and you know the 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 drawbacks have always been like yeah but how do you do the progressive overload properly but then how do you keep it exciting so that's what right. i'm trying to do <laughs> dude it's so amazing so the other thing is like you said the new person some people are like okay so if you you see some of these people they're they're working out they're doing 4 to 6 uh bodybuilding style workouts per week and it's like man if I try to do that and people have tried to do that in the past and they just quit after a couple of weeks, it's just, it ends up being too much. So how do you, how do you keep people there? So I thought, okay, if we offer three full body workouts per week and just tell them, even if you just get one of these workouts in per week, even if you got half of one workout in to start off with, like, you know, if we have three sets of an exercise, even if you just get one set of, of each exercise of one of the workouts, per week, you're going to, you're going to start your way. And that's how we do it. It's like, there's people in there that they can only do it once a week. Uh, they can do up to three times a week. And then we show them how to modify to if they need to add more volume or what, but most people do well with that two to three times a week of the resistance training. And then just for coach Greg, the, aer <laughs> the aerobic training, uh, on the other stuff, you know, other days, and we do a lot of, uh, walking and, and, uh, you know, biking and all sorts of stuff um, in there. So yeah, no, that's, that's how we, the goal is just to just find a way to get people to start. Yeah. And I think there's a number of um, incentives to kind of mock up in order to talk about resistance training. I, I always uh, feel slightly guilty thinking about um, the carrot being extra calories because yeah. my whole point is kind of like or my whole idea on what i'm trying to do is like food is fuel so it does not matter if i require you know whatever let's say 2000 calories if that's what i require that's what i require there's no <laughs> i don't understand the idea going like well i want to work really hard so that i require 2200 calories like this to me feels counterintuitive so that's that's got nothing to do with my goal but i i i do think that the retention of lean tissue for me i just feel better i feel better about how i look i feel better about how i move through physical space um it it is just something that i'm happier with and i can say having gone the other route where it was strictly cardio and giving up all the lean tissue I could happily, I was less satisfied with the result. The other thing is, so what you described is very similar to my patients. The, the other thing is I have a lot of people who weight loss right now, and from an intentional weight loss dieting perspective, it's not going to be in the cards, you know, unless they get surgery or I give them medicine. So I propose to them like, hey, if struggling to lose weight or, or more weight, maybe they've lost that five to 10% of their weight and they're just like, I can't lose anymore. It's just really tough for me. Instead of focusing on scale and weight loss, well, why don't we focus on fitness, which includes cardiorespiratory fitness from aerobic and then getting stronger and, 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 and shaping the body. So by using that, people are like, you know what, that really resonated with me. Like my, my, Pitch is basically if you're sick and tired of losing the same 10 to 40 pounds or whatever it is, regaining back and forth, why don't you just stop doing that and just start focusing on getting stronger? Because 
if you've never tried that, it's going to be tons easier to get stronger than to try to focus on losing weight on the scale, just simply because of our biological drivers and environmental factors that make it hard to lose weight and keep it off. So um, people have, that, that's really resonated with people as well. It's like, you know what? I've never really tried that. I've just tried dieting. So it's like, stop trying to diet for now, at least you can take a break, maybe sometime again later, but then let's focus on resistance training. Let's try something different. And they, well, that, that works well. I think that's so beautiful too, because for people who have failed uh, endlessly at diets, if you are given and, and look, I think it works best if you really strip the motivation of weight loss out of it purely and just go, what's going to happen if I just start moving more? Yeah. But I do think that moving more will eventually result in weight loss. And then that could be a a motivating factor in like, well, now what if I alter my diet a little bit. What happens then? Do I get more of these kind of benefits? So I think that's a beautiful thing. I also would love to talk to you about, and this is something I've struggled with thinking about, um, the healthy at every size thing, because I got to tell you, and I've had so many different arguments, um, and I'm not even like a contrarian, really. I'm trying to figure out what I find to be true in this. Yeah. But I see the gal, the overweight gal on Cosmopolitan. This is going back a few years. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it says, this is healthy. Yeah. yeah. And I just go like, fuck, good for her, dude. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable in my present state on that magazine revealing as much as I as she was. She's doing fucking kicks in the air. She's doing shit I couldn't do. And and so I just think like, you know, we go um, scientific truth that uh, on average being obese has health consequences. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people are arguing that. However, does it matter if when you talk about the health benefits of weight loss being kind of maxed out at 10%. They do. It, it continue. It can, it does continue more and more will, will have benefits. But I, the, the point that the health at every size is that most diets will fail and we can get into the nuance of what's failure, what's success. I don't know. What does that even mean? What's a <laughs> diet? What's the definition of it? Like, what are they determining? Like, are they saying the, the grapefruit juice diet versus like an intensive, comprehensive program where you have dietitians, psychologists, physicians, exercise physiologists, all that type of thing. So we can get into that. I, I would, that's like one of my things I talk about all the time. Well, I think we, you know, I, I watched this wonderful um, lecture by Robert Sapolsky where he talked about how humans um, have this, uh, thing that they do where everything gets categorized, right? You, you take in some data and it's categorized. And I think we're kind of accustomed to good and bad, right and wrong, uh, uh, good versus evil, uh, truth and lie and all this stuff. So we lose nuance because I, I personally come from a place where I go scientific data lives within a context. Mm-hmm. And you can view that context from many different points and you can add values to that context from many different points. 
And so when I look at a big girl on Cosmopolitan and it says this is healthy, there's a world where I go. Yes, it is. Absolutely. And then there's another one where I go like, I don't know that as America grows more and more obese, if this isn't the if this is the right message, I don't know. But at the same time, if there's some way to make people feel better about themselves and and that would have an increase in going after these these things like showing up at a gym because I'm no longer self-conscious. That's a fucking benefit, too. You know what I mean? So like the idea of truth within this is like truth can be perceived from all sorts of points of view. And truth is ultimately a value, in my opinion. You may not have an MD or PhD, but you're a smart man, Ethan Supley. <laughs> Seriously, you 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 uh, you have a, a very uh, a very nice perspective there Be- because what you're saying is exactly what I tried. I don't know if you saw my my post the other day. There was another. There were two other magazines. There was a health magazine that had someone with uh, obesity on it, and then there was the Self magazine, very similar. This is healthy. This is the future of fitness. Something like that. This is. Uh, this is health. And a lot of people were, were really upset about these magazines. They know yeah. the Cosmopolitan was like a year or two ago. I don't even know because COVID has changed my perspective of time, <laughs> right. sort of warp zone. It may have been two years ago. It, it, it may have been. I have no idea. But um, it seems like it was only a year ago. I don't know. But either way, same kind of concept. So there are a lot of people upset. Like, I can't believe we're sending this message that obesity is healthy. And it's like, no, first of all, okay, first of all, these magazines want to sell magazines. I don't know what they're, you know, they, who knows what their agenda is, but they're trying to sell magazines. So let's, let's just, let's just go with that number one. But number two, as you said, well, is it possible that in some sort of perspective, that person actually is healthy compared to someone else who is a similar weight because they're doing other health behaviors that aren't related necessarily to the scale, but that person is healthy and they're trying and they're working hard. I always say this example, like, let's say, for example, I don't know what your BMI is. What's your BMI? Now, I don't know. It's, it's probably like, I'm sure I'm overweight. Yeah. It's, it's it, your BMI. How tall are you? Six, one, six, one, how much? Six, one, two sixty five. Okay. So your BMI is, is over. I think it's over 30. So, so I'm obese. Well, according to BMI, but like, let's, let's, Let's take someone else uh, who's 6'1", 265, who doesn't have that same muscle mass as you. Um, they have a lot of clothes on. You see both of you walking down the street, and you just you just know their weight and height and whatever. Someone would go like, hey, that person, that person according to their weight, whatever, they, they have obesity or they call them obese. And the other person, same, same type of thing, but we don't know. We don't know the differences in habits. We don't know. We don't know. Just looking at someone, it's possible that someone was 500 pounds, lost, lost 200 pounds, is still 300 pounds, and and they look at them and say, that person's not healthy. Well, no, they're extremely healthy compared to what they were uh, when they were 500 pounds. So, like perspective, like you said, makes a huge difference. The health at every size, you know, I, I don't agree. Like the. The problem with their organization is that they go to an extreme. What their principles of some of their principles are very, very good because it's true from people who are just trying to lose weight. Most people won't lose as much weight as they want to. Uh, They may fail according to their definitions. I say losing five to 10% of your weight and keeping it off. 
that's not a failure. Um, but some people may call that a failure. Uh, it, the body does fight against us. And so most people won't be as successful as you. It's just according to the averages, you know, you are just, you're extremely successful in, in your journey. But that doesn't mean people can't be successful in their own way. And I think that somebody can be healthy relatively compared to someone else the same weight if they're doing healthful behaviors. And that's, 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 that's the gist. Like I can get into metabolic, very intricate metabolic health pathways and we can talk about the mechanical stress on, on one's body with, you know, people have too much muscle have a lot more mechanical stress. Like, you know, if your neck's big from muscle, you, you know, and you have sleep apnea, your body doesn't go like, oh, hey, uh, that's muscle. Let's not have sleep apnea or your knees and joints don't go, hey, that's muscle, uh, muscle weight on our joints instead of uh, adipose weight. Our joints don't give a shit. Yeah, the joints just, they don't just go, you know, there may be some slight differences with strength around the joint, whatever, but like ultimately there's a lot of mass, a lot of weight. And they don't go, hey, let's not deteriorate because that, hey, up there, it's it's muscle mass. Let's just not right. do that. So, so like, honestly, like, it just depends on how we're defining health. I think it's a good idea. There's going to be a lot of people that don't lose as much weight as they want to. And I think it's okay to show that you can still be healthy while carrying an excess amount of weight as long as you're you're just trying hard, like you're working hard on the habits. Um Sure. If we, if we do start comparing to someone who doesn't have that much weight and is everything else is equal, that person without the weight might be healthier, but like, it's all a spectrum. Uh, and I, I, I really like your perspective on that and you're, you're it's pretty um, intuitive. Well, let me ask you this, just kind of to uh, kind of, and I, this is just my intuition. I, of course, I'm not a doctor. I, I didn't even really graduate from high school, but here's my idea. Uh, the idea of health is a statistical analysis, right? So, so some people call health the absence of disease, but they're, they've gotten much more holistic with it because we have different components. We have mental health, spiritual health, uh, emotional health. We have physical health, metabolic health. Um, so it depends. Yeah, it depends on how you define it. Okay. So, but I, I'm saying generally. Yeah the markers for health like uh, for instance when i was a kid um i not even a kid i guess a kid but like i remember for every movie i do i have to get insured i have to get um ins insurance separate insurance where the movie takes out an insurance policy in case anything happens to me or i get sick while filming the movie the movie you know, shutting down a movie could cost like hundreds of thousands. Is that key man insurance? Something I, like that. Something Ooh, like that. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, there was a change in how high the definition of high blood pressure at some point. And mm -hmm. I went with my blood pressure not having changed from being totally fine, still obese to, oh, we've changed the parameters for high blood pressure and hypertension. Now you can't get insurance unless you're on a pill. And <laughs> so I remember this and I'm just saying like, and I, and I understand also that um, science as we progress and get better uh, tools to observe things that we, that the scientific findings change. And I'm not arguing that, but I think that as the nation grows more obese 
and obviously I think the world is slowly not is, is very slowly catching up with us. Obesity is not just an American thing. It is yeah. other countries too. Um, but the science or the statistics or the markers of health are going to start shifting to account for that. So it, I mean, I think what, I think there's just going to be more and more people who are going to be diagnosed with, weight related conditions. So they should they they shouldn't shift the blood pressure cutoffs up to, to account for it. I think what had happened is there the prevalence of those they should not anyway. Because like if we said, if, if we look at it and and we look at like here's this guy who has a, an average very very low blood pressure mm. and here's this guy over here on the other side of the spectrum who has this very very high um average blood pressure if there's only 10 people in the middle, but there's 300 million on one and 300 million on the other, is it still going to sit where it is? So they'll, they'll, what they'll report is the average blood pressure, but what they'll still say is that, Hey, under this cutoff, the rate of strokes, death, whatever they're looking is at lower. is lower. So it will, what it will do is this, there'll be more people that start shifting over into like, Hey, gosh, you guys are, dying earlier you still want it lower but the average what you're saying is the mean or the average blood pressure will start shifting up unless we all just end up on like what they call a poly pill where you just take a pill that has multiple different drugs in it they're trying to do that actually they actually work pretty well in certain countries but um yeah so the average will go up but they should still keep the definition based on rates of death because the whole idea of having those definitions is to prevent various events cardiovascular disease events or strokes whatever um yeah so but either way either way we are moving more and more rapidly towards you know what happens when what are we at 50 percent obesity now what happens when it's 85 percent and like now the minority is the the thin people who like they're you know what i mean like (laughs) I think people should be worried about this. So I know we don't, I know you're not allowed to talk about like politics. I, we've, that was what we, before our first podcast, I remember we were laughing about it. I'm like, I go between being like this, you know, super libertarian to being like a, a hippie Democrat socialist type. I don't know. I have all these weird views, but like one of the things is with, when it comes to obesity, it's like the only way that I see we're making a, a, a dent in this needle, we're going to move the needle, you have to somehow change the environment. And the only way I can see us drastically changing the environment would take some sort of crazy legislation that I don't think anybody would be up for. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I think I don't know how we're going to make a dent in this progression. I don't know how we make a dent either. And I, 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 I legislation is not my go-to it's not it's not my desire to to solve anything that way but when i look at the system as a whole i just see a lot of incentives for keeping people in the system of consuming and and consuming everything from food to medicine to all of this stuff is a, is a fu- really well-functioning ecosystem of like, you know, it's like the, the, the auto mechanic who has you held hostage because every time you take your car in, something else is broken. And that's how I look at like, 
Mm-hmm. Well, you solve this with a pill, but then you're eating this thing over here, which is causing this other problem. And, you know, for me, I, I at the end of the day go like, I don't care if people smoke cigarettes. I'm envious of people who smoke cigarettes sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, I'm envious of the guy who can get blackout drunk and he's not going to ruin his life in the process. And you know, he's not going to do a bunch of stupid stuff and wind up with a needle in his arm somewhere, but he can get blackout drunk and then go to work the next day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm also envious of that. I go like that guy's that guy's figured it out. Um, living the life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I do, I, I do think there are a lot of people who like will benefit from what you're doing simply because. This is a radical new approach, really. Yeah. You, you made a post the other day, uh, or, or maybe, maybe it was Lane. And, you know, we're, we're talking about how genetics load the gun. He said that behaviors pull the trigger. I, I would say environment pulls the trigger. But people still, people still have free will. They're just drivers that try to push t- people towards certain decisions. So... Having said that, this lifting weights is one thing that we tend to not have by a lot. Losing, intentionally losing weight by trying to eat fewer and fewer calories, our bodies fight against us. But lifting weights and trying to get stronger, our bodies don't fight us. Sure, we may not get as strong as we want, but, it, but the, the actual uh, behavior of lifting weights, unless you get injured of some sort, uh, we don't have biological drivers against us. We have environmental because we have time, you know, cost of gym and home equipment and stuff like that. But in terms of biological drivers. So that's why I do. I mean, at the very baseline of health, like you try to eat healthier and whatever, but um, movement, lifting weights uh, to me seems like an easier move to at least start with. Well, OK, here's my question. And 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 I remember this post that Lane made. Um And from that post, my point of view, and I think this was the comment that I made on it was if your house is on fire, step one is get out of the house. And step two is like, figure out, was it an electrical fire? Did a log roll out of the fireplace? Was a kid playing with matches? That doesn't matter if you need to get out of a burning house. You don't sit and go like, I'm going to do a forensic study on what the starting point of this problem is. However, what if the house is on fire and you're not aware of it? And like, I, I, I again, because I like to fit, play with perspectives, go like, how is that possible? Well, the fire is contained to within the walls. So you can't see the fire, right? And it's not increasing the heat or the fire is so small. It's somewhere, right? Or, or you look at your lifespan of my life is equal to one day living in this house. And at some point there's the fire is starting and you don't see it, whatever it is. Does it matter? Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This mother's day surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, Does I mean that, I would- if you can't see it, and, and, and the end fucking result for all of us is death, period. <laughs> That's it. And and again, Sapolsky, I go back to him sometimes and he says there's no free will, period. And I right. I personally can't get through life doing that because I have to impose what I perceive as my free will on myself every day. However, I do know there was a point in time where I was truly incapable of doing that. Yeah. And so I go like if the house isn't on fire for you, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't fucking matter. But if you wake up one day and and you go like, I would love to not be out of breath standing up out of bed, right? If that's your if that's your starting point, I actually think what you're doing is more valuable than anybody starting a fucking diet that is like too complicated to understand. Yeah, that's that's that was pretty much the premise. I, I that was the whole premise. That was the idea. Yeah. I mean, I, we have 500 people in the group. They're doing extremely well. I'm, I'm going to start. I haven't done a lot of marketing for it. So the next step is now uh, there's seven. I don't know how many billion people, seven billion people in the world, something like that. My goal is to now get as many of those people going. All right. You know, you want to do it the Dr. Spencer way. You know, it's not like I made up. Resi- I wish I I wish I made up resistance. Training. I didn't make up. Resi- <laughs> my my <laughs> my idea is to how do I get people to start? And that's what I'm trying to figure out in a way that's not scary, not uh, where you're not going to quit. You're not going to get too sore and beat up. Um, uh, people do get sore and they're like, okay, now we got to pull it back, but I, I'm able to coach them through that. So that's the premise. That's it. I, I love it. And I think it's really wonderful. I think if you're, uh, an, a morbidly obese person who has been, you know, not thinking about this and wake up one day and go, what's an interesting entry point for me, or I want to make some change. I think this is a beautiful place to start. Also, if, You've tried a hundred things and had a hundred failures. I think this is a beautiful place to start because it's unlike, you know, there's many things where it's like, what's the best first step to take? And it's like, well, just swap out one super processed meal for a super nutrient dense unprocessed meal. Okay. That's a good place to start. Fine. Great. But I, I, I think for people who have had, a lot of failures with diet. I think this could be a really wonderful entry point and a whole different perspective. Yeah. And I do, you know, I do put a, I have a little curriculum of my just very simple nutrition concepts in there. If people are like, well, I do want some nutrition help. And I do, I put a little videos in there to, to help people get started to kind of 
understand how weight loss works, why it's hard and uh, whether you should do it or not, you know, right. um, that type of thing. So we try to make it comprehensive as, as much as possible. It's amazing. Dr. Nadolsky, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, man. Anytime we should talk about weight loss medicines next time. Well, fuck. Now we have to do a whole podcast about that. Is yeah, that sure. uh, that's that's there's a lot to it. I've never taken a weight loss medicine, so I don't know, but I've always wished for one. Yeah, well, like you're doing you're doing fine without it. I will say um, I am trying to remember what it was called. Some bodybuilder once was like, uh, you just take Winnie V. That's the, <laughs> is that a weight loss medicine? No, it's a that's a uh steroid anabolic uh winnie uh this is this is not part of that no no okay good because i'm hoping that stuff that weird shady people are pushing in locker rooms are not yeah they're pushing talking about super thyroid like yeah there's pushing all sorts of beta ag and like all sorts of weird stuff that you give horses and all whatever okay good not that real real like uh, approved fda stuff and we can get into we can get into all the little nuance of, of that too because you know that there's been all sorts of issues with older drugs and people having heart attacks and strokes and whatever. Okay, real quick, and 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 I do I actually really do want to have a whole episode on this, but is my fear with this would be because um, I, I remember as a kid I was put on Fenfen for a yeah. minute. And that, that was the one that people were, that got really scared about using these medicines for. Yeah. And so, and then I was pulled off and there was a lot of anxiety in my house for, yeah. for a minute because they were like, wait, we gave them this. But from that point on, there was always this hope of like, one day they're going to invent something that fixes all my troubles. Is that, have they figured that out? Close. Oh, Wow close now the thing is though i mean we'll get to it in the podcast but you've you've found ways to navigate the environment and found ways to fight against your own biology through lifestyle habits uh where you're successful there's just so many people that i don't know but like the drivers are so hard that they're not able to overcome them but yeah. we can talk about it it's, it's it's appetite appetite driven in the brain i don't for a th- for a second discount the fact that i have you know, longed for love so long in my youth and felt so much like it was uh, never going to happen. And then had this wonderful, beautiful girl fall in love with me and make me feel like I was uh, worthy of it. And so there are driving forces there too, that I say, like, I have no idea how to give you that. I have no idea how to give you the idea that you're worthy of change for yourself right like that's been my biggest struggle so i i I don't for a second think that like everybody can just do what i do i think it's possible but i also think it's really really difficult if you if you have no self-worth right like self-worth to me is the number one thing like you gotta feel good about yourself so that's the one aspect of healthy at every size that i go like fuck it it's more i think it's people are better off feeling good about themselves than yeah. feeling shitty about themselves and not doing anything anyways. Yeah. Um, but that said, I, I, I would worry and I'd love to talk, have a, a long talk with you about that, but I would worry that um, people who could do it without the medicine would just fall back on the medicine. We'll, we'll talk all about that. 
we'll, okay, we'll, we'll go through it. I have, yeah. I, that's a whole, that's a whole conversation. It's a, it's a big thing. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, I can't wait to do this one. Thank Perfect. you so much, doctor. Thanks for having me. Okay. And now for the Q and a, here is a question for you that comes from Matthew. I'm Matthew. Matthew says, hey, Ethan, assuming that I'm sufficiently strong or at least as strong as I want to be, how much cardio or weight training would you recommend when cutting calories in an attempt to lose 30 to 50 pounds over the course of a year or so? How much cardio? Well, I mean, I don't, again, you know, as we say time and time again, this all becomes very specific to the individual. What how much cardio is he doing now? Um, I would for sure suggest an increase in cardio, but like if he's getting 10,000 steps per day average now, maybe he only goes to 12,500 for a while, then to 15,000, then hits a maintenance period and brings it back down, then goes up again. Does that make sense? Yes. I think cardio, um, there should be a progression just like with weights, how like if you, if you do, let's say you're bench pressing 135 pounds and that's all you do. You do 10 reps, three times, twice a week of 135 pounds. Your body gets used to that and suddenly it's not working in the same way that it was when you first started doing 135 pounds. So in that, with that same idea of you want to increase, like add in sets or reps or add some weight to your bench press. I, I like to do that with cardio too. So when I start a cut, I might do 15 minutes extra cardio three times a week. And then the following week, it's going to be 20 minutes extra cardio three times a week. And the week after that, it might be four times a week. And then the week after that, it might be 25 minutes. And I've done that all the way up to where I'm doing um, 45, 50 minutes, five days a week of cardio. And then I do maintenance and I let my body chill out and I let all my hormones come back to normal and I defatigue my system. And then I basically start over and maybe try to go a little bit faster the next through the next beginning of the cycle. So I think every time you start over, like with weights, if, if at the very beginning of a lifting program, my bench press is two sets of 225, 10 to 12 times, right? That's week one. I do that. I go up as much as I can. I'm going to failure towards the end of it. Then I take a rest week. Then when I come back, I'm not just going to start over. I would increase it a little bit. So I might add five pounds onto the bar or 10 pounds or something like that. And that will be my new beginning. So I know that I'm getting, I'm, I know that I'm increasing over a long period of time. And so would the same thing apply then because he says cardio or weight training? But he's specifically asking about cardio, right? How much cardio or weight training would you recommend when cutting calories in an attempt to lose 30 to 50 pounds over a year? Oh, cardio or weight training. I mean, 
I think it's uh, I think that a mixture of both is important, but I I personally um, emphasize more weight training than cardio. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would do it. I would you know that would not be the totality of my attempt to put myself into a caloric deficit. I mm-hmm. I, I would really try to figure it out with diet. And then the resistance training would be in an attempt to keep my muscles active so that my body believes that they need them to survive. And my cardio would be to increase my caloric burn a little bit. I see. And if he's saying 30 to 50 pounds over a year, I mean, like, obviously, well, I guess I'm asking then, you're tr- you just said it earlier. You're doing that, then you do maintenance. You're doing that again, then you do maintenance. Like you're going in a cycle of, you're not just yep. increase, increase, increase to the end of the year. By the way, thirty to fifty pounds—that's a pretty big swing. Like that's you know one number, and then nearly double that number. Um, so uh, you know, I don't know. Fifty pounds in a year seems like a lot to me because mm-hmm. then you're. You, you got to kind of guarantee yourself a pound a week and you, you, I, I believe in maintenance and I, I think in maintenance, you're trying to not lose weight. And so that takes out a bunch of weeks mm-hmm. of the year. So 50 pounds in a, in a year done slowly retaining as much muscle as you possibly can seems like a lot to me. Right. That's a, that's so a maybe- tall order. 30 might be a better perhaps 30. I think of 30 and I think that's like no problem. Slow weight loss, 30 pounds in a year. You should be able to do that. You could have a few maintenance periods. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, cool. That makes sense. But if you, if you have to lose 250 pounds, then I think you could lose 50 pounds in a year. No problem. You could Mm. probably lose more than that. Do do you see what I Mm -hmm. mean? Yes. 50 pounds gets you to your absolute goal that you're going like, I'm going to get to here and then I'm going to maintain forever this weight. That's your last 50 pounds. So that to me seems difficult. If you've got to lose a hundred pounds, yeah, you could lose 50 in a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have episodes on America Glutton where you've gone, you know, more in depth about this, right. With different guests and, and so on. But like, which I think people, it's always good to go listen to some of those where you're talking about, you know, more specifics on a workout plan and so on. But, but yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that, um, yeah, it, I I mean, I think it's cool that he's saying over the course of a year, instead of, you know, just like, cool, I got to drop this 30. (laughs) What do I do quickly to do it? You know, cause you always emphasize doing it slower and making it last. Yeah. No, no. I think over the course of a year is great. I think like really taking an honest look at your year and going like, do I have vacations? How am I going to figure that out? Like if you have kids, when are they going to be out of school? And what, what is that going to add to my lifestyle? Um, Mm -hmm. Like as planned as you can get, that's um, ideal. I try to do that, but then as an actor, I have shit come up where it's like, no, now you got to go to Mexico for four months and all of my plans fly out the window, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. When you were there for that long, did you have, well, I know you worked with your hotels and stuff, but God, yeah, that just adds like such an extra element of, uh, 
planning. It was a nightmare. It was a total <laughs> nightmare. Right, right. And we got, we finally, I finally wound up in one hotel out in the middle of nowhere where I was able to like sit. There was just one chef that worked at this <laughs> hotel and I was able to sit down with them and like basically go like, here's exactly what I need. Can you do this? Can you make a meal for me that looks exactly like this? And and that was easy. But when I was in the big cities at these big hotels where there'd be like, you know, they have 14 chefs working in one hotel. There's no, you know, and there's 400 people that there's nobody to have that conversation with and, and keep it consistent. It's like, yeah, okay. If you get them during these hours, this is when this guy works and he can make the meal that you talk to him about. So I just wound up going to uh, grocery stores a lot and, you know, doing like weird prison meals in my hotel room. (laughs) Yeah. And do you bring like a protein powder with you that you like or something like that? Like, do you travel with those things? Not only do I bring protein powder with me, I had Brandy smuggle me in a suitcase full of frozen trifecta (laughs) that I then stored in the hotel freezer and would take it out and like use a microwave basically, but still Mm -hmm. not ideal. But like I that's what I eat. And so I'm used to that. And so I know how to deal with it. Um, but yeah, I, I brought a ton of protein powder. I actually had to have a conversation with customs going into Mexico city because they were like, why do you have a suitcase full of powder? <laughs> you know, like that was a, that was a, a legit Literally. question they had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I, and I had to like ex- try to explain like, I, <laughs> I I eat in a very particular way and now Mm -hmm. I'm in a city I'm not familiar with and I'm scared. And so please don't confiscate my food. Please let me have my chocolate protein powder. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Well, uh, I think that's an awesome question from Matthew and maybe Matthew can write in and let us know how it's going, you know, like check in in a few months and tell us like, yeah, I I don't know what the, I, I don't know of a figure, like a computation off the top of my head. I think that the, for me, weight loss is all diet and exercise just has a different purpose. I'm not exercising for weight loss. I have done stints in my life where I exercise specifically for um, weight loss. And when I'm trying to lose weight, I do increase my cardio, but my whole, the way I work out changes. If I'm doing maintenance, I'm probably doing, uh, less sets and less reps with heavier weight. Not, not like a power lifter, but it comes down when I'm doing a cut. I'm not really as strong, but I find that I can do a little bit more volume with lighter weights. So it it changes in that way, but it's not really, I'm not going into it thinking I'm doing this for weight loss. I'm going into it thinking, how am I fed right now? How hungry am I? What am I capable of doing? And cardio increases a little bit just to kind of put icing on the cake of whatever caloric deficit I'm figured out. But also here's the other thing to keep in mind. You know that you understand thermogenesis. We've talked about thermogenesis. 
We have, but I feel like you should explain it again for anyone who doesn't know what it is. So it's just a process. Um, it's literally like your body working, using fuel to survive, right? It's that process of burning fuel is thermogenesis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a calorie is how that fuel is defined. And a calorie literally means like the the unit of energy it takes to raise one gram of water by one degree centigrade under certain atmospheric parameters, which is like just living on earth, right? That's, mm-hmm. It's good. So that's calorie equals this energy source. Thermogenesis is the act of, there are different ways to look at that. Like there's your basal metabolic rate. If you're not doing anything really, how many calories are you burning? Right. Mm-hmm. Then there's your exercised induced thermogenesis. I forget what the acronyms for all this stuff is, but it's like how many more calories are you burning just through exercise? Then there's literally um, how the way you eat, the, the foods that you eat cause your body to work harder to digest them. Protein, uh, rec- like 25% of the protein that you're eating just goes to digesting the protein that you're eating five to 10% of the carbohydrates that you're eating go to digesting the carbohydrates that you're eating. Like your body, the, the actual energy expenditure raises when you eat protein because your body has Mm. to work to use it and carbohydrates. It also raises and fat it raises, but fat, it raises the smallest, like under 5%. So fat is like, it goes in, it does its job, and once it's not doing its job, it's being stored as fuel for later. Okay. Then the final one is something called NEAT, non-exercise active thermogenesis. So I'm talking to you, I'm moving my hands around. We've talked about this, right? We have talked about this, yeah. So what happens when, this is the way I think about exercise while dieting, what happens when you're withholding calories is you unknowingly slow, that slows down your non-exercise active thermogenesis. So you might like, let's say over the course of two hours, you get up to go pee three times, right? Well, perhaps when you're deep into a caloric deficit, your body goes like, no, let's not spend the energy to get up and go pee. Let's just hold it and then go once. Your, your body does this to you. You stop using your hands as much when you talk. You find that your foot, your, if, you, if you don't think about it, you, you're like the amount that you move just goes down. This is your body conserving energy. So extra cardio combats that hmm. because it's so weird how the body works, how there's like this thinking portion of the body, which is me talking to you about ideas and concepts. And then there's this dumb machine portion that I have to trick into doing stuff. And we're not really in communicating with each other at all. So I withhold calories. I withhold fuel from my dumb machine body and Mm -hmm. my dumb machine body goes, well, guess what? Fuck you. We're going to slow down. We're going to stop using our hands. We're going to stop talking so much. We're going to only go to the bathroom twice and you're never even going to realize it. (laughs) 
You're just going to experience a little fatigue, a little more hunger. That's all you're going to know. And guess what? That's us communicating with you. If you filled that with food, you'd go to the bathroom three times in an hour and you'd start using your hands more and you'd get your foot track. So the extra cardio really for me is just going like, I'm a lazy slug. The minute I don't feel like doing something, it's a little bit of a challenge to talk myself into doing something. So mm-hmm. if it's as small as like, I got to go to the bathroom, kind of, no, nah, I'll wait until I got to go to the bathroom, really. And when <laughs> I'm dieting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's just yeah. a weird analogy. No, um, I know what you mean, though. But so that for me is where that comes in and, and where the the reduction of energy that I'm putting into my body comes in through planning the diet versus if I'm going to let my dumb machine of a body take over, my dumb machine of a body wants a big savings count of energy because through history, you know, um, ancestors of mine died in famine and that changed their genes and their genes were ultimately passed on to me and we didn't catch up because now we have 7-Eleven with free, you know, virtually free storages of food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe in a hundred or 200 years from now, my ancestors, their bodies will have adapted to 7-Eleven, although it's highly doubtful. And you want to know why? Because obesity kills you very, very slowly. Mm. Famine kills you very, very quickly. Right. How long does it take for being grossly overweight to kill you? Decades? Decades. Mm -hmm. You only really have to get through your prime uh, procreating years to have any effect on this kind of thing. So if you're obese, your body's happy because it's surviving comfortably. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not being deprived of anything. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it totally does. So my point is we are not going to adapt to 7-Eleven. Right. Until it starts killing us in our teens. If it starts right. killing like in us a in, faster- if we get if we become so obese that we start dropping dead in our teens, maybe our bodies react to it. But mm-hmm. until that happens, we're still on this cycle of got to eat, got to save fuel, got to have a savings account of fat. And if it's there, you know, not everybody, obviously, but I think quite a few people have this um, malady that I have. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. By the way, this is a little bit. A little bit of like science with uh, like, what's the big, uh, what's a good conspiracy theory? Flat Earth or Q or something like <laughs> oh, that. Oh, sure. Yes, yes, definitely. A little definitely. bit of that. Yeah. I like it. It's like um, fitness conspiracy theories or, uh, yeah, weight loss conspiracy theories. Well, that could be yeah. like a whole topic in and of itself, actually. Uh, okay, I mean, cool. Yeah. Well, I, I like it. I hope Matthew's happy. We went down a road, but I like it. Makes sense. Yeah. Welcome to Q, American Glutton <laughs> style. What is it? Q. Q. Amer- Q and on. No. <laughs> okay, good. Well, thank you, Matthew. Keep us posted on how it goes. And if you have a question that you would like Ethan to answer, 
please email it to us at AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.